You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. The thousand-year reign of Christ, where we come back with Him and rule and reign together, and then we pass over into eternity. No longer are there any time continuums. It's all the eternal now, all of the glories, all of what we're going to experience. The new city of Jerusalem comes down from heaven. We're able to inhabit this city. There's no longer any sickness, no longer any death. The object of our affection, Jesus, will be the light of that city. We'll have complete access to Him. Listen, we have a bright future ahead of us, right? Think about that. Take a moment to consider the amazing future we have in Christ. As Pastor Mike continues sharing God's Word with us, today he reminds us of the great promises that God has made to us who believe. Paul writes in another place that if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of men most pitiable. He goes on to tell us that we will be resurrected by the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Think about what God has done for you. Doesn't that make you want to live for Him? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7 as he continues his message, Speechless. God was also with David when he went up against the champion of the Philistines, Goliath of Gath. And he was able to experience a victory that day. When Saul was still king, when David was made one of Saul's captains, and he went out to fight against the Philistines, against unsurmountable odds, God was with him and gave him the victory. When he was fleeing from Saul, who made several attempts to take David's life, God was with him and preserved him. Those valleys of the shadow of death that David refers to in the 23rd Psalm, all of the while the Lord was with him. You see, Christians like yourself, like myself, face struggles just like anyone else. Just because we're Christians, a child of God, we're not exempt from trouble, life's problems, but the Lord will be with you in those problems, in those difficulties. Psalm 34 and verse 19, and there we are told, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And that's who you are, that's who you've become. We've received the righteousness of Christ through our faith in him, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. What a blessing, what a promise, right? We can hold on to that. What a comfort, that confidence, knowing that God 
is always with us. So that was another thing that God reminded David of. But then also he went on as a reminder and let him know that there was peace in Israel. God said to David, let's go back to our text, notice in the latter part of verse 9, he says, I have cut off all of your enemies. In other words, now there was going to be peace in Israel. And you know, as we trace the history of the nation of Israel, they were always engaged in some battles against the Amalekites, right? So many of the nations that came against Israel, the Philistines, and it seemed like one battle after another. But now there would be peace in Israel, and all their enemies had been defeated. You know, that's something that God wants all of us as his children to experience as well, that peace, no matter what you're going through in life. You know, all of the people who have arrayed themselves against you, who are antagonistic towards you, you fill in the blank, wherever that may be. It may be a family member, or maybe at your place of employment, or whatever. You know, people who are just, seems like they're going out of their way, you know, to attack you, or whatever. And nevertheless, we can just know the peace of God, that peace that passes understanding. That's uh, something that God wants us to experience as well in our walk in our relationship with him. But then God went on, and notice, he reminded David, also, I have made your name great. Notice also there in verse 9. And listen, we've seen this before in our previous studies. Wherever David went, people were talking about him. He'd come into a village, and people were dancing and singing. They were exalting David's name. That is, he was held in high esteem. I want you to think about this in your own experience. You know, as you walk with the Lord and you seek the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you do the things that are right and you get a good name, a good testimony, and you, amongst the people in your circle of influence, you are also held in high esteem. You see, this is also something that God wants to do for each and every one of us. So David... That's what I have done for you. That's what God was reminding David of. But notice then, God went on to tell David what he was going to do in the future. And listen, God wasn't finished with David, and God isn't finished with any of you. Listen, the best is yet to come. God still has a work that he wants to do in and through your life for the future. And what was that work that God wanted to do for David. Well, notice verse 16. He said, I'm going to build you a house and establish your throne forever. And once again, David interpreted this promise correctly, that the Messiah, Jesus, our Savior, would come from his lineage. Now listen, the prophets of the Old Testament understood this. Let me give you a couple of cross-references. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. The first one is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselors, obviously referring to Jesus, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Notice, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, 
even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Isaiah knew this, that the Messiah would come from David's lineage. Let me give you a New Testament example of this. From the book of the Gospel according to Luke, in chapter 1, in verses 31 and 32. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, God is speaking, the angel is speaking to Mary, and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Do you see that there? So David knew what God was talking about, what God was referring to. So listen, David is having that mega wow moment. He's just overwhelmed, responding to these promises of God. Now, that brings us to our second point. That's what God wanted to do in David's life, but that's also what God wants to do in your life as well. And by the way, you know, we're going to share in that kingdom one day, right? The Bible tells us that we're going to rule and reign together with Jesus Christ. We're going to be given governments, and that we're going to enforce God's laws with an iron rod. In the book of Revelation, we examined all of the glories of that kingdom when Christ comes again and establishes millennial kingdom upon the earth the thousand-year reign of Christ, where we come back with him and rule and reign together, and then we pass over into eternity. No longer are there any time continuums. It's all the eternal now, all of the glories, all of what we're going to experience. The new city of Jerusalem comes down from heaven. We're able to inhabit this city. There's no longer any sickness, no longer any death. The object of our affection, Jesus, will be the light of that city. We'll have complete access to him. Listen, we have a bright future ahead of us, right? Think about that. So all of the glories. That brings us to our second point, and that is recognizing his unworthiness. David recognizing his unworthiness. Notice, let's go back to our text in verse 18. David responds to all of this, and he cries out, Who am I, O Lord God, to receive such blessing? You see, he recognized it was God's grace that was being showered upon him. And again, I want you to think about your own experience with the Lord. And the only way we can explain it is by the grace of God. You know, knowing who we are, how that we're so unworthy to receive these blessings that we received of the Lord. And so I can totally relate to this experience. I'm only speaking for myself here. When I think of God's grace in my own life, what God has done, what God has taken me out of. And I cry out, Who am I that you should take me out of the miry clay? Wash me from my sins. Always be with me. Help me in my need. Strengthen me in my weakness. Receive goodness and blessing. And the only way that I can respond to these things is by crying out like David, Who am I? David said, Lord, you have done so much, but now these promises for the future. What can I say? And David is speechless. He says, what can I say? It's at this point where words fail David. Now listen, let me tell you something. This was no small thing, because think about who David was, how articulate David was. This is amazing. David was such a gifted man with uncanny abilities to express himself to God. He was a great songwriter. David wrote many of the psalms that are recorded for us in the book of Psalms. 
the praises. And yet in spite of those things, he is speechless before God. But you see, with God, there are emotions that run so deep, that are so profound, you cannot express them. Language hasn't been developed to adequately express certain feelings. And mere words diminish the true feelings. They lessen the emotions. And so David is having one of those kinds of experiences. A glimpse of God's plan for David's future, and David is speechless. He's just shut down. Now, that brings us to our third point, and that is similar experiences. So again, I want to bring all of this down to personal experience, find the practical and personal application of all of what is recorded for us here in this chapter. So this becomes our third point, and that is similar experiences. Now, I can also relate to this experience as God's Spirit has been revealing to me what He has in store for me, for us, in the future. As I've mentioned, just closing out our series in the book of Revelation and considering all of what the future holds in store for us, just overwhelmed. I'm speechless. Those precious times ahead, the glories of eternity, being an integral part and experiencing the kingdom of Christ. So I can relate to this experience as God's Spirit had been revealing to David what he has in store for him in the future. Now another practical example of this is the rush you get when you're reading the Bible and the Spirit of God breaks forth a revelation of truth across our heart. It may be a text or a verse of Scripture that we've read a dozen times before. But now, at that particular point in time, when you're reading it, it has more meaning to it than ever before. Because it's particularly relevant to the things that we're experiencing at the present time. Right? We just sit there. We take a deep breath. It's just that wow moment. Or another example of this, when God's plan begins to unfold before our eyes and things begin to fall into place. Things begin to make sense. You know, it may have been something that we were making our appeal to God for in the past, you know, maybe even months ago, maybe even years ago, and we've completely and totally forgot about that request. But now everything begins to line up and everything seems to be falling into place. And then we're reminded of, wow, you know what? I forgot about that. I remember the request, the appeal that I had made to the Lord about this particular situation. And now things are just falling into place. God wants to reveal to us in those moments His love, His plan, His purpose. You know, Paul put it this way in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 7, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Gang, let me tell you something. We are going to have a lot of those wow experiences, those silent experiences, when we get together with Him in heaven. God revealing to us another facet of His kindness and love towards us. And we're going to be absolutely wiped out. 
You know, if someone says, Pastor Mike, what are we going to be doing when we get to heaven? We're going to be hanging out on the clouds and playing harps, strumming harps, singing worship songs. No, listen, let me tell you something. Well, maybe some of that. But you know what? We're going to receive revelation on top of revelation of who God is and his love towards us. You know, and the many facets. God is multi-dimensional. We're only scratching the surface while we're here upon the earth. And you know, just when we think that we've completely understood and figured God out, God is going to reveal another side of himself to us, another part of God's love, the greatness of God's love for us, and then in that moment we're going to be thinking to ourselves, oh, now I understand who God is. Now I understand the depth of God's love. And before we can even get those words out, he's going to reveal to us another side of his love. And then we're going to say, oh, and now I see. Now I... And even before we get those words out, he's going to reveal another side of his love. And that's what we're going to be doing for all of eternity. We're going to be doing so much more than that. But, you know, I'm just tripping now, okay? But we're going to be given the same kind of a body that Jesus had after he rose again from the dead. Like, for example, when the apostles were gathered together there in the upper room and all of a sudden appeared in their midst. Uh, he didn't knock on the door. They didn't go to the entrance of the door and opened up and Jesus walked in. He just appeared. He was able to, in that body, in that new body, he was able to transcend matter and space and time continuum, right? And we're going to be given that same body. And think about that. We're going to be able, in that time, throughout eternity, explore the vastness of God's universe. And astronomers tell us today that we're not only assigned to our one Milky Way galaxy, but there are billions of other galaxies. And within those galaxies, there are other planets and stars and and all of what's contained within the universe. And in those new bodies, we're going to be able to roam the universe. I don't know if you remember this or not, but as a kid, one of the comic books was The Silver Surfer. Do you remember The Silver Surfer? And uh, he used to roam the universe on a surfboard, okay? We're not going to need a surfboard. We're just going to be able to think, hey, I want to be in this part of the universe or on that planet, and boom, you're going to be there. Man, you know, it's crazy. But, you know, I mean, wow, right? I mean, these are some of the things that we can look forward to. So it's going to be one revelation on top of another. So listen, there's going to be a lot of silent experiences in heaven. God revealing to us another facet of his kindness and his love towards us. And we are going to be absolutely and totally wiped out. You know, it's been said, and I quote, when the worship of God reaches its ultimate, words are impossible. We're just going to be sitting there, his spirit communicating together with my spirit. And in that time, we feel that oneness with God, that oneness with my spirit. I feel that closeness together with God, that love that I cannot describe. You know, Peter put it in this way, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. It's a joy unspeakable, indescribable, full of glory. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, it's a peace that passes understanding and human expression. 
Listen, our relationship with God is so rich and so full that it can only be described in superlatives. Now, if you have never had these kinds of experiences before, you're missing out on one of the greatest things of life. And I would just encourage you to open your heart to the Lord, to get aside with the Word of God, the Bible, take some of these promises that are recorded there for us, that God has given to us, and let the Spirit make that personal application. And when you realize, as you're reading that text of Scripture, that verse of Scripture, put your name in there, right? And you'll begin to realize, hey, that's me. That promise is for me. It's me who is to rule and reign forever with Jesus Christ. When we realize that I am a joint heir of God's glorious kingdom, you will also say with David, O God, who am I that you have chosen me, that you have called me, that glorious grace? And yet, gang, he has. Now, someone may be thinking at this point, Pastor Mike, you know, this may work for you, and this may work with, for some other person, you know, some goody two-shoes, but it's not going to work for me. Well, listen, who are we talking about here? We're talking about David. And I want you to remember, and don't forget, that there was another side to David's life. And it wasn't a pretty one. It wasn't a one of victory. Remember, he had taken another man's wife, whose name was Bathsheba, and then had her husband Uriah killed to cover up his tracks, right? And yet, look what God did for David. What's that called? It's called the grace of God. I don't know how many of you, and, and I don't want you to volunteer any information, but I don't know if, how many of you have committed adultery. I don't know how many of you have committed murder. But nevertheless, God continued to bless David. You see, it's that grace of God that makes us speechless. Why? Because I see and understand the goodness of God in the light of me, who I am, and how undeserving I am of that grace. In fact, I would go far as to say that it seems as if God looks for the most unlikely candidates to bestow his love and grace upon. He so often goes to the gutter and lifts us out and washes us and transforms us and makes us a child of God. And so the only way that I can respond, the only way that any of us can respond to any of this is, who am I? In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. In the book of 2 Samuel, the king God anointed is finally on the throne. King David, the man after God's heart, is in the place God planned for him. Yet David is still human. And as you continue to study this book with Pastor Mike, you'll see that fact time and time again. David falls to the temptation of sin and reaps the consequences of his actions. But he does do one thing consistently. 
David repents when confronted and returns to the Lord. What an example of faithfulness and mercy. God forgives his chosen leader and restores the relationship that sin had broken. This same God is merciful to you, too, and his forgiveness is just as real when you come to him in repentance. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Finizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If you feel led, we're thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. That's all for today. Tune in next time for more on In My Father's House.